You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 142. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and in the house today, we have two of my very favorite people, Heidi and Natalie, better known as Butter Your Macros. So we talk a little bit about our connection and how we know each other in uh, the podcast. So I'm going to leave that for when we actually dive into the episode. But safe to say, Heidi and Natalie have um, just become really good friends of mine. And it's been really uh, a fun friendship to develop. We're in the same space. So sometimes people are... are surprised that, um, you know, we really, people could look at us and say, Hey, you guys are essentially like direct competitors of each other. But one of the things that I love most about our relationship is that, I mean, I, I guess I can't speak for them, but I don't, I don't really see us as competitors. Like we are, we are supporting each other. I want them to succeed. They pretty sure that they want me to succeed. And it's been, it's just really fun to be able to go through life with people who, get it in terms of being in the same uh, space in the online space, uh, as well as having, you know, real life workout buddies that are just fun to sit and chat and hang out with. So we go to CrossFit together like five days a week. Um, and we are there most days together. We kind of get into the dynamics a little bit on the, in the podcast episode, but, uh, I, you know, I see them multiple times a week and we always have really great conversations, really unfiltered. (laughs) What do we want to talk about today? What did we say online? What are we wanting to like, you know, kind of figure out in terms of clients and the world and, um, Instagram and how much we hate the platform at this moment and all of those things. And, for a long time, Natalie has been saying, we just need to like hit record and just talk and just talk about all the things that we, we talk about at the gym. So that's what we did today is we sat down, we hit record and we just talked and we, we talked about, um, everything from CrossFit and the gym. We talked about, um, some of the recent struggles that both Heidi and Natalie have had in terms of, uh, their aesthetics and, and goals that they have set for themselves. We talk about what we think about everything from, uh, intermittent fasting to, uh, diet culture to, everything. We just talk about, we just talk about all the things that we usually talk about at the gym and just hit record so that you guys can hear them. Now, the title of this podcast, I actually had it titled something different as we went into the episode. And at the very end of the episode, you're going to hear Natalie just like have this like light bulb moment where she just kind of like wraps everything up so succinctly. And when she said it, I was like, that's it. That's, that's the title of the podcast episode. So the title of this episode is weight loss doesn't make you happy. And let's, without further ado, jump into the interview with Natalie Delaney and Heidi Bollard. 
Well, I am excited to welcome back to the podcast, back to the podcast. There's not very many people that I've had on the podcast more than once. And I am welcoming back to the podcast, Heidi and Natalie from Butter Your Macros. Hey guys. Hi. Hi. I feel like it's been a long time since we've talked to you. (laughs) This morning was a long time ago. Um, It's been a couple hours. We miss you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So this is is super fun for me. It's super fun for us. Um, Heidi and Natalie have been friends, colleagues, clients. Uh, We're going to go over like the whole relationship, but they were some of the first people on the podcast. I remember, you know, when I started a podcast... You're like, who am I going to ask? Who's going to say yes to my podcast? Nobody knows me right now. I'm like, it's a brand new podcast. And Heidi and Natalie were one of the first people that I had on the podcast. So I'm excited to have you guys back. Well, I looked and I was like, I think we were like episode seven or eight. And I'm like, holy yeah. crap. And she like surpassed a hundred like last year. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> this is going to be like 150 something. So, oh my gosh, so cool. we're like, we're, we're moving and shaking along. Um, so it's been high time. And we've talked about this a couple of times. A couple of times we've been in the, the gym and Natalie's like, we, we need to like record a podcast. Cause we just like sit and chat in the gym about all sorts of things. And we just need to hit record. And that's what we're doing today. After we've put in a super effective workout, of course. Oh, yes. It's, 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 yeah. it's always about, <laughs> about the super effective workout. Yes, that's exactly it. Okay. So for somebody who maybe is not familiar with me and you guys and our relationship and your page, will you kind of fill people in? Someone, someone give us the run through of like, how did you and I and us begin. How did you guys begin? Because that started way before I even like became friends with you. Uh, how did it begin? Who's gonna Who's gonna do the the background story? Well, I think what's kind of hilarious about this question that you're asking is that you actually were in our lives at the time that it started, right? Because when was Heidi, it? Started, Heidi started counting macros with you, right? Uh-huh. And yeah, we were already neighbors. We had been living this like blissful life, you know, six road rolls at a time, right? Just enjoying <laughs> things and. I just finished nursing my fifth baby and Heidi had been working out for over a year consistently. And she's like, I guess I need to figure out this nutrition thing. And at that time we were actually cooking two times a week because good mothers cook for their families, right? (laughs) So we thought that we would cook two times a week and we would split it because we live eight houses apart. So we're neighbors. And when she started counting macros, I have never heard of it heard before. I was about just ready to dive back into my fitness pal, you know, at 1250 calories, two and a half pounds a week. Cause you have to select what option you like. And I was like, can you eat this on your thing? And she's like, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, no, I don't want to cook something. If you're not going to eat it, I'll just do whatever this thing is you're doing. Right. So therefore that's when our macro counting journey began. So you, apparently you were still, you were actually already there. I, I don't think I even, there. I didn't, I don't think I ever knew that that was like going on simultaneously that I was like coaching Heidi while you guys were actually like becoming friends for the first time. I don't think I ever put those like timetables well, together. We were, we've been friends before, but we had just it's had it for like, like a, year. a year. We were friends mm-hmm. for a year, like Got in it. person. We had yeah. history together beforehand because our husbands worked for the same company and I grew up with her husband. So, I mean, my legacy with her husband, like, dates back a couple decades, right? So I reached out to you for numbers. You gave mm-hmm. me my first set of numbers. Mm-hmm. And then she and I started counting together. So technically you've been so awesome. in since the beginning of Butter Your Macros. You just didn't know. I just didn't know it. I actually remember <laughs> I remember when um I don't know which one of you guys emailed me. I think it was I think it was Heidi. I think you emailed me and you're like, hey, like 
um, just so you know, like we're starting this new page and like, like you like sent it to me and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like they're starting this page and I like went and followed and like, you know, now it's so fun to look back and like, see how far, you know, both you guys and, and I have come and that we will have these pages and are able to serve lots and lots of women. So I, I, I think it's super fun. So yeah, at the time, just in case nobody knows, Heidi and Natalie live in Orange County and I was in North Carolina at the time. And then we moved back to Orange County uh, four years ago. And that was one of the things I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be living near Heidi and Natalie. And we're going to actually like be in life, in real life friends instead of just Instagram friends. And yeah, so we met and we went and ate dinner one night and it was super fun. And then did it a couple more times. And then she here, Amber lives in the city next to us. So it's not like she's even far. She, we're basically neighbors in cities, which is, we love neighbors, apparently. <laughs> and then it took her a couple of years for us to suck her in and come in across it. But then I'll yeah. let you tell that story. <laughs> yeah. I, Heidi and Natalie, so when I moved to Orange County, I was um, powerlifting. I'd been powerlifting for a while and we had a, we built a gym in our backyard. So my husband and I were powerlifting outside and we, you know, had a competition. Like I was into like the powerlifting and Heidi and Natalie had gone to CrossFit and they were like, it's so fun. We love it. Like you really should do it. And I really put it, push it off because, because, and I told you this, a part of me knew that once I did it, I was going to love it. And it was going to require me to like now join CrossFit and like go to CrossFit and like do something different. Right. I knew it was going to require me to do something different. So I kind of pushed it off as long as possible. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, I'm not going to do it until I'm ready to actually change what I'm doing. And I got to the point with my programming that I was just bored. And I had, I was talking to Heidi about this. I had hit a plateau with like my lifts and I just wasn't enjoying it. Like I was enjoying it uh, previously. And I was like, okay, I'm ready guys. <laughs> Tell me what to do. <laughs> Where do I go? How do I sign up? How do I go try a class? And that was like three years ago. But it was funny because along the way, like Amber was teaching, um, group fitness. So oh, we that's right. a couple of her classes, body yeah. tops, right. We got to see her in action. And then she also did taught high for a little bit. So mm -hmm. her high fitness classes. So I feel like we've had like, you know, we've been along for a couple of years and then yeah, come totally. you come in across it definitely cemented like the real deal. Like we yeah. saw each other every day for yeah. five days a week. For yeah. Five days a week, every morning, Monday through Friday, we were crossfitting together. Um, so one of the questions, so we asked both of our accounts, what questions you guys had for us that you wanted to talk about. And, uh, one of the questions was specifically about you guys of like, you both Heidi and Natalie, you guys look like you're like always together. <laughs> like you look like 24 <laughs> seven, you guys are always together. That's what it looks like on social media. So people want to know what the reality is. Uh, and do you ever need a break from each other? Is that a thing for you guys? So we are always together. We really, we aren't. Really are. I love, <laughs> we really aren't. We are, but we aren't like, it's like, um, I mean, think about all, I mean, you have two days off, you have two days off a week, weekdays off, and then you have a weekend and we see each other for like, so we see each other every single morning. I think yeah. the only day we might not see each other is a Saturday, but for the most part, we see each other Monday through Friday and then Sundays for sure. And then we do have obviously these little windows where like we're at the gym together we'll go grocery shopping together, Yeah, you know? Um, like she'll take her kids somewhere and I, she's running, driving past my house and I'll come back out my bare feet and hop in her car. And then we're like, chit, 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 the whole way there. Back. And then we do text like all day long and especially share memes all day long. So I don't, I feel like we're always together, but if you don't feel like we're always together, it's I never enough. I just like you more <laughs> than you like me. <laughs> um, and do we ever need a break from each other? No, it's, I don't think people like that answer at all, but like, we don't bug each other. Yeah. 
I think it really comes down to the fact that we're basically like the same person, like two halves, like one person. So it's kind of just like, the only time that's a problem is when we're both worried about the same thing. Other than that, it's like, I'm worried she's calling me down vice versa. But um, yeah, we're, we're very um, simpatico. Yeah. And you said your husband's like that. I remember you like talking about this on your stories. Oh my gosh, they love it. Yeah. (laughs) A less, a less, less high maintenance wife because of their best friend down the street. Who who well, I mean, have you ever had this relationship with someone? I mean, it's like a, a, a friendship where like, you know, just like hearing, just hearing their voice or like being able to talk out a problem with them, just like kind of lifts your spirits. You know, it's just, that's, I mean, sisters, friends, I mean, we, we know these kinds of relationships and we're just like super grateful to have it. Yeah. So let's talk about this relationship uh, in terms of uh, CrossFit and how that dynamic has has recently shifted. So I started CrossFit, you guys started CrossFit like three and a half years ago. Um, and I started CrossFit almost three years ago. And um, so we were going to classes and we were doing classes all the same. And then like, did you guys start bodybuilding before quarantine? No. Uh-uh. Oh, it was like when when the gym shut down or COVID hit, that's when we had a re- retreat into the garage. Yeah. And so then they started doing some bodybuilding stuff and um, have been doing that for over a year now, mm-hmm. right? Like a little over a year. Um, and so I was crossfitting alone. Super sad. Well, I'm not alone because they were still there. They were still in the gym, just over in the corner. <laughs> so I could say hi and we could talk and, and chat. But uh, I was crossfitting alone. And then recently my husband joined. And so how has that changed the dynamic? <laughs> well, we felt like our trio had become broken up by your new boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, know. I actually told my husband that before he came, I was like, just so you know, I'm really concerned about this. Like we have a really good thing going. <laughs> like well, I like my friends. And he brought a boyfriend too. So I'm like, oh, maybe it'll be fine because yeah. he has a friend. He doesn't need our friend. But apparently, Martin apparently he's. <laughs> he wants to be with me. So I told him that I was like, I am worried about this. Like I have my friends, like I, this is my like friend time. Like I want to see my friends. I want to hang out with my friends and I know you want to hang out with me, but I want to see my friends as well. So that has shifted the dynamic a little bit. And, and we're trying, we're, we are trying to incorporate TJ, but he doesn't think we're as funny as we think we are. So we're just kind of, we're just trying to wear him down a little yeah. bit. With, I don't um, think TJ maybe, thinks anybody's funny at 530 in the morning. Okay. That's okay. Fair that's point. fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe we've seen a bake for him or something. Oh, like bri- bribery cookies. Oh yeah. 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 That's a good idea. Um, um yeah. It's, it's been, it's been an interesting dynamic. I definitely feel like, um, you, you do seem split when you're in there, right? yeah. but then when he's not there, it's like, Oh, I am respect. It's, like it's like back to normal. It's like back to normal. Yeah. Uh, and like he, when you mix friend, friend group, I also, like feel like, like, I also feel like you can't be as competitive when he's there. I can't. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. So we'll just, it, you know, it, we'll, we'll just mark that when TJ's there, the white Amber suffers on the whiteboard. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Although he, yeah, he makes fun of me. Like one time I remember specifically we were doing a wad and I was like moving my equipment, like over to the side where it's like near the, the gym door. And he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, duh, <laughs> there's a run. Like yeah. why the heck would I run across the gym to then go on the run? No, I want to be first. I want to get as close to the door as possible, do all of my stuff there, go for the run and come back and be right there with my equipment. I'm no dummy. And he looked at me like I had 12 eyes. <laughs> like, like the fact strategy, that, I, PJ, strategy. <laughs> that I had even thought of that, like, <laughs> and that is the difference between my husband and I, because <laughs> like, I'm like the, I'm really um, competitive and 
he just doesn't care. But the other problem is he like has OR early in the morning. And so he has to go to like the 5.30 class. And I've always done 6.30. Like that's always been our time that we've gone. And so now it's like I go 5.30 and you guys go 6.30 and we like cross as as classes are are changing. Okay, we'll work out a custody agreement with him. We're really reasonable. (laughs) We need our amber time. Yeah. We need your amber time again. I feel so split. I'm like the child and having to choose between the the parents in this relationship. Who do you want to live with? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. All right. Okay. On to some other questions. So um, one question for you in terms of macro counting, this is something that I get asked a lot is how often do you track macros or even more like, what does that look like over the last, you know, five, six, I don't know how many years, uh, what does it look like for you? What does that transition look like? How is it different today than it maybe was five years ago? Oh, uh, sure. I'll go first. So uh, five years ago, I was tracking everything all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this time five years ago was I was cutting. Um, it was my first cut. I <clears throat> I think I lost I lost four pounds, but I lost four inches <laughs> with like around my, around my waist. So I, if I hadn't, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned right out of the gates. We say to our clients, you do as well, obviously you've got to take your measurements. You cannot just trust the scale. Yes. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was an exciting time for me to having just come to macros, figuring out it, it. I definitely had the lens of like, wow, I can't believe this even works. Like, I can't believe that I can I can choose my food, you know, before it was always, I'm kind of, I can be a little picky sometimes. So following meal plans, I was always like, Oh, that's gross. I don't want to eat that. So then what do I do? Just never learning anything about nutrition. So, um, so that was, it was great. I, I really, it obviously really clicked. Um, once Natalie jumped on board, then we really, um, were able to, she helped me become even more flexible with this. We were, adventuring into eating out and making recipes and all kinds of things. So, um, but yeah, I was definitely very dialed in tracking everything most of the time. Um, flash forward present day, like I just finished surplusing for about the last seven or seven or eight months. Um, not rushing into a cut. So those are, yeah, it's, so I was, while I was surplusing, it was a lot of estimating. I was definitely logging, um, here and there. Uh, when I'm cutting, I am, I am all in, like I, I'm super accurate and all of that, but really overall our, my philosophy when I'm just in maintenance is like track, you know, here and there track a few times a week to make sure that you're, you're staying on top of your game. Right. And making, if there's one thing I'm committed to, it's watching my data over the time, over time. I'm, I don't feel the need to be 24 seven with my fitness pal, um, so, but my, also with that comes some flexibility with your expectations, right? So that totally. makes sense. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. I think, you know, and we've had this conversation before, Amber, it's just, it, it's tracking as a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like for the first probably two and a half years, I tracked every single day religiously. In fact, I had like a streak of over a thousand at one point. And then I forgot what happened. I went to Texas or something and then it like zeroed out. And then of course I was like super annoyed by it because I was super annoyed. You, by you know it. that I love me like a. I love me a gold star for everything. So after that, I actually was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to be so tied to it, right? Because, so I did. I tracked for over a thousand days. So that accumulated like over, you know, almost three years worth of tracking um, and tracking daily, you know, and it was, it was fun for me. It wasn't laborious. It didn't bug me at all. It was just like, you do it because you like your results, right? And you like to, and you like to maintain things. And so, 
once that kind of, once that thousand disappeared, that thousand day tracking disappeared, I was like, you know, maybe it's time to just kind of like relax a little bit and trust myself. And I think that when you practice tracking and you've actually used it as a tool to teach yourself versus something that like you hate and you despise it and you have to grind through it and you have to do it. And like, I just, it always blows my mind. People like, I hate tracking so much. It's like, oh gosh, why don't you figure out a way to like it? Mm. Okay. So wait, there's a question. It says, someone submitted a question and say, what do you do about the mindset of being tired of tracking? It gets old. So what do you say to that? I think you get tired of tracking if you're not getting results from it. Yeah, that's true. If you're getting results from it, it's really joyful because you're like, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm getting. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Like anything. It's like, we don't want to do anything for nothing. (laughs) Yeah. That sucks. (laughs) Most of of us like enjoy reaping our benefits, right? If we're doing things. So I think that if you don't like tracking, it's because you're not liking your results. Mm -hmm. And it might be more that you're not liking the habits that you're creating or Mm -hmm. not creating because of it, because to you, it's tedious because you're not getting something out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, if you enjoy it and it yields results, then it's enjoyable. It's just like, it's like budgeting, right? Like, I hate budgeting every little thing. It's like, really? But some people really, really love knowing at the end of the day, how much they've got. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I enjoy it. And so I think after you teach yourself, you, it's really easy to learn how to log in the rear view. You can estimate things really well. You have a great idea of like what something's worth. And so you don't have to be so religious about it. Like that's, so that's what I do. Similar to Heidi, just if I'm in maintenance, I'm logging every now and again. Sometimes I'll log all the way up till dinner. I got about a thousand calories left. I know how to like go from there. Um, definitely not like all, every single day from beginning to end maintenance. It's just not necessary, right? Mm-hmm. You check your data see what yeah. you need, what kind of adjustments you need to make. And then you can dive back into tracking or if everything's looked great, then you just keep on keeping on, but it's a tool, but in a deficit, yes, I'm laser. Like mm-hmm. every single gram gets logged because that's what you do in a deficit because you're tracking like 99, 90 to 95% of the time is going to get your, your results. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I love, that's such a great question too, even the way it's phrased. Cause there's, there's a lot you can learn from the way you ask questions, right? Like how do you deal with like, with the suckiness of tracking. I can't remember how she said the question, Mm -hmm. but it's like tracking doesn't have inherent suckiness. Mm -hmm. The way you think about it applies Mm -hmm. suckiness on top of it. Right. So, so if tracking is neutral and it's just the way you're thinking about it, what can, how can we spin that around? Um, Like, like Natalie was saying, is it the lack of results? And if you're in maintenance, for example, did you know that the lack of results is actually progress, right? Mm -hmm. Like maintaining is progressing. So it just yes. kind of depends on, um, uh, it's all your thoughts. Like, what are you making it mean? What is tracking? What are you, what are you making tracking mean? Is it all about what you can't have? Is it, is it, can you not stand it when things are, um, when you can't have all the things that you want or, or what is it that bothers you about it specifically? And that's the issue. Like just mm-hmm. saying, how can I feel bad, but better about the stupidness of tracking? That's not a very high quality question. You're asking me, how can I feel better about something that sucks? Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't suck at all. That's the question. Mm, So good. So recently in a coaching call, um, I had someone, we were talking about maintenance and one of the, you guys, you guys are going to like this. So one of the things that she was talking about is that she really had never spent a ton of time at maintenance. And one of the things that I wanted to pull out of what like Heidi was saying that I really want to highlight is that in both of you guys, you said when you're cutting, you're laser focused, but the piece that is 
the context that is missing there for people who are listening is that when you are cutting, it is a very, 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 very small percentage of the time. So you can be laser focused. You can't be laser focused for three years of cutting, right? That, that doesn't work. <laughs> and so what, what we were saying on the coaching call, she was saying, you know, I've never really done maintenance. And she's like, but I follow, I hear everything that you say. And I hear everything that better your macro says. And she listed the other couple of people of like how amazing maintenance is. And it's made me like want to spend more time at maintenance. And I was like, hallelujah. We're like doing our job out there on social media (laughs) of like teaching people that most of your life should be spent at maintenance. And I think that really highlights you guys talk about being laser focused on your cuts, but you can do that because before you cut Natalie, how long did you spend at maintenance? Uh, like like, for like years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you're not going to, like you mentioned, like you, you can't cut for three years and it's like, well, yeah, you can't track for three years and get anything out of it because you can't cut for three years and get anything out of it. Right. You know, wonder tracking would suck because yeah. it's not yielding you any results. It's like, if you keep watering your lawn and it stays dead, it's like, how, how, how motivated are you going to be to water your lawn? Well, right? and similarly, if all of the habits that you need to build and maintain in order to get the results that you want, if all of that sucks, and you're expecting some like results at the end of the yellow brick road to suddenly to enough. transform your mindset into feeling good all the time. That's not how it works at all. Just like doing repetitions builds muscle, doing practicing positive thoughts builds a positive mindset. But yeah. the trick is you have to really believe it. You have mm-hmm. to really be honest with yourself. It can't yeah. be this pretend like you can't pretend away or ignore your feelings. You've got to acknowledge them, accept them. rally, you know, live to fight another day, all of those things. Yeah. So on this, this realm of maintenance, uh, somebody asked, how can I stay calm during maintenance? How can I stay calm? Stay calm as I move to maintenance. Sorry. I think, I think this idea of like that maintenance is challenging. Like how can I stop my brain from like being all the what ifs and the worries and stuff that come along with maintenance? If we're supposed to spend so much time in maintenance, how do we be calm during it. Well, I think it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, I think you, you know, we've had this conversation a million times too. It's like maintenance is harder for anybody than being a deficit is. Everyone's yeah. great at depriving themselves or, you know, cutting calories, which is really ironic because it's hard, right? Yeah. But it's like maintenance is terrible for people. People freak out about it. People, I mean, first of all, it's unknown territory. Most of us have never, ever heard of maintenance even before macro counting, right? And it's a trust fall in a lot of ways because it goes against everything you've ever believed in, right? Eat more, and you won't gain weight. Says who? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like the when? opposite of what every tells you. Yeah. And so that, first of all, you're like, okay, so these people on the internet are telling me this. Like, do I really, really believe it? Even though I see all the science that backs it up. And I know that I've actually never been able to, you know, keep my weight off and, and you know, by just keeping eating low or doing whatever I want. So it's like, there's that first aspect of it. But really what it comes down to is maintenance is hard because you're not getting the scale pings of validation that you get from being a deaf. And that's why women are addicted to cutting is because they look to the scale for validation and in maintenance, you don't get pings. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, how you mentioned earlier that like no, not gaining is progress in maintenance. Mm-hmm. People don't see that as progress. They, mm-hmm. they want to step on a scale and always see it ticking down to know that they're doing something for themselves. Totally. Sidebar. I just want to give credit to that quote. That was one of our coaches, Jordan, that said that the other day and I've thought it was super good. So I filed it away. <laughs> About maintenance is progressing. Oh yeah. Maintenance, yeah. yeah. Jordan, catechute town. Anyway, so um, on the, on that, when, when Natalie uses the phrase, like the scale gives you pings, that's a, that's a very real thing. Like seeing something like that is a reward for our brain. It floods our brain with good feeling chemicals, dopamine hits, right? Like you can actually get, you really can get addicted to that. 
So realizing that that's, that's an, that's an artificial pain that works because you believe in it. So how can you replace the artificial outer ping of a scale or someone else's compliment or whatever? And how can you do that for yourself? How can you call, like, you know, her, her comment about staying calm or another one we hear is like um, balance and want to feel balanced or whatever. But if you think about if you're struggling to maintain your balance, that means there's some teetering, right? Like you're trying to find stability. So you have to keep correcting for the instability, right? So it's, it's not going to be just a one and done thing. Like I've lost the weight. I feel good about myself forever. I'm in maintenance. I have no more anxiety about food or gaining weight or anything. It's like, it just doesn't work like that. It's a constant, um, like people ask if we're sick of each other, how's your relationship with yourself? Like, do you like being with yourself? Mm-hmm. If this was, if this, you're the person you're going to be, this is the body, like your book, your body can never change, right? You can never improve as a person. How do you feel about yourself? Like right now as is, and if it's not good enough, then why do you think losing five pounds is going to change any of that? It's still conditions that you're talking about. One of the great exercises that we like to use with our girls, because maintenance is very hard. I mean, for, for I would say the majority of people, they don't enjoy maintenance until they really have lived in it and like have sat in their discomfort a little bit and kind of removed the elements of the scale things. But we say like, so if you had met all your goals, like let's just say today, like Amber, you were exactly who you wanted to be. You were, you know, heading to the games in Madison. You, <laughs> you know, you had, you had 15 unbroken like um, ring muscle ups, like everything you could ever want and physique wise and everything. What would you do with the rest of your life? That is what you go and do in maintenance. Yeah. Like, write that all down. Who would you be without a weight loss goal, right? Who would you be without this aesthetic goal that you keep chasing? That is what you do in maintenance. That's what you spend all your time doing it. And it's like, you have less energy for mindset work in a deficit. So it's, it's also what you go and you do in maintenance. And I think that's also the problem is that a lot of women don't think they have mindset issues. Oh my gosh. If totally. I lose yeah. the weight, I'm going to be happy. I have nothing to work on. Well, I can't tell you how many women have told us that they feel like they can't move on to another goal or do anything else or feel good about themselves until that happens. Yeah. Right. It's like, I, that's such a, who would you be without your weight loss goal? What would be important to you? What matters outside of, I mean, that like, I don't know, there's, I guarantee you there's women pre 2015, there's probably, there's me included that have never asked themselves those questions well and frankly i think they're terrified to find out who they are without a weight loss goal i think mm-hmm. most people like that goal because it's like oh this is the one it's all, i'm always chasing it this is my number one goal i mean think about how many people have made that their goal every new year's like mm-hmm. did you want a new one like oh no no no, <laughs> this one i'm always chasing so it's like i'll if i even if i never succeed then i'll never have to feel like i need a new one or anything like that it's like well what happens if you meet it but if you what? totally but if you feel deficient and unworthy because of your weight why would you feel motivated to chase any goals that might highlight more uh, deficiencies that you have, right? If that's what if that's what chasing goals means to you, it's all about compensating for what you feel like you lack. So I would actually like to ask you that, Amber, because as long as we've known you, you've never had a weight, ever. Like I've never heard you once be no. like, oh, I really want to be like 132.6, you know? <laughs> like, so let's talk about that. Like how have you gone to a place where you, maintenance doesn't scare you? Uh, I think that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think for me, it's always been performance. Like that has always been, and I think, and I credit that to my mom of like, that's what I saw her focus on is like her running times and her performance in the gym and things like that. Um, you know, and I, I, I 
I never have, I haven't ever had a weight goal. Um, however, I have had an aesthetic goal, right? And, and in my mind, those weren't linked as closely as they are sometimes in some people's minds. And so I wanted to get a six pack and I knew I needed to get leaner to get a six pack, but it's not like I had a number that was like, when I hit this number, then that will be it. It's just like when the six pack showed up. So I've definitely been, I mean, my leanest, I was about 10 pounds leaner than I am now. I can't even imagine being 10 pounds leaner now <laughs> because I built so much more muscle. So I'd have to lose anyway. I built so much more muscle. And so I'm similar in body fat percentage as I was back then a little bit higher, but at a higher weight. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's really important for people to hear that. Like I would never want to go back to 126 pounds like that. Like well, how, was your life? how is your life different with a six pack versus now? Can you tell us like, there's how, like literally zero. Like literally zero. <laughs> so you can walk around with the, the sun shining and birds. I know and- it's so <laughs> weird. You know what? The other thing I, when I got a six pack, okay. So for anybody who doesn't know, like when I wanted to get a six pack, it really, for me, it was really just like another goal. It was like, I've never done that before. Like that would be fun to do it. When I got the six pack, I remember thinking, this is so dumb. I don't even wear bikinis. <laughs> like nobody can even freaking see my six pack. Like the only people who ever see my six pack is like when I show it on Instagram, I'm like, this is so oh dumb. <laughs> but I, how, how, many, how funny is it when you actually see, see like games athletes in clothes? You're like, Oh, like where did it all go? I was, go? <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that picture that we took with Matt Frazier, the yeah. fittest man in the world for like six years or something. If you look at that picture with clothes on, you can't tell if the fittest person in the world is him or the husband. <laughs> you, know, you don't know who Matt Frazier was or looked like. And you'd be like, hey, look, I took a yes. picture with Matt Frazier and you never met Hattie's husband. You'd be like, who's Matt Frazier? <laughs> it must be the taller guy, right? <laughs> well, he looks more athletic. <laughs> the taller guy does. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I, I do think, and I think that's important for women to hear. I think it's important for women to hear that like, yes, I set a goal to get a six pack. Yes, that was an aesthetic goal. I achieved it. But for me, what was cool about achieving was just, it was like the process to achieve it. It was like what I had to do in order to achieve it. And then I maintained it for a while. And I was like, well, this is like not really all that it's cracked up to be. I kind of want other things. Like I'd rather like have a heavy squat and like, you know, be able to do a 300 pound deadlift. And to me, that was like way more exciting. And so I kind of let that go and, you know, have let it go for a lot of years because yes, on the other side of six pack, there's not rainbows and butterflies. And so then how do you answer a woman who is like, well, I just want to at least try it to see like, maybe I will like my life better with a six pack. So how do you answer that? I mean, I think that's a really good, a really, uh, there's a lot of people listening who are probably that person, right? And the answer that I would have is like, why are you doing it? What, like, what are you doing it? Because for the process of doing it, which is why I went into it. It was like, yes, the six pack was the end goal. But what I really wanted was the process that it took me to get to the end goal. So do you enjoy the process? Is that the fun part for you? Is that the, that is, for me, it's like the challenge. Like the challenge is the fun part. And yeah, I get a six pack at the end, but like, if I had not gone to six back at the end, the challenge would have been just fun enough for me in and of itself. So I think yes. that is the distinction is like, do you enjoy the process that it takes to get you there? If so, go for whatever you want. If the only reward that you're seeking is the end destination, well, now we have a problem, right? Big That's a problem. Yeah. So, so yes. that would be the decision. Like, is like, what do you want? Is it only the end process or is it the process to get there? And it's not that you can't want the end process, but you have to 
like what you're doing along the way to get well, there. And that's like what the whole joy in the journey, love the yes. process means, right? Smell everyone's roses, like, like yeah, everyone thinks like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right? Like joy in the journey, love the process. Like, what is that? That <laughs> means that when your alarm goes off, you like you sit up and you appreciate the fact that you have the chance to get going. You yeah. you pre, you thank yourself for the hard work that you do. You mm-hmm. set up things and you set up your life and your habits in a way that feels rewarding. So you don't even so eventually you don't want to give it up. You look at it as a training process, right? Like like you said when you were talking about starting CrossFit, you were like, I knew it was going to require ch- change, mm-hmm. but I wasn't ready to commit. And as soon as I was ready to commit, I was like, okay, tell me all about it. How yeah, do I yeah. start? How do I make progress? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you, you, like that humility, that coachability, like that, that willingness to, um, like we get so like one of the hardest things that I think we do as coaches is try to unravel people's like super set <laughs> mindset issues and dieting yeah. beliefs and whatever. It's like, what if we could think about this another way? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What if tracking didn't have to suck? What if exercise could feel good? What if it being process could feel inspiring? Cause that's the reality. Your results are a reflection of how good the process feels. Mm. Oh, I like that. Now, are you ready to talk about your last cut? Oh, sure. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I know <laughs> we can always cut yeah. this out, <laughs> but I think, um, if you're ready to talk about your last cut, I'd love for you to share some perspective because, um, it's kind of like what some of the things that we're talking about of enjoying the process and stuff. And that, that came to head for you in your last cut. Okay. So yeah, I, all right, let's do this. <laughs> I didn't prep um, her before. <laughs> so no. So what, what was interesting about it is that, um, you know, I had spent, you know, had had a couple successful deficits. I definitely am not a stranger to the hard work. I'm great at tracking. I'm precision. Like I, I really do hold myself as in seem that I'm someone that I can, I can, I can achieve a goal and I, when I want it, I'm, I can put my mind to it. And so we had just finished, um, you know, we were in quarantine and I had just done a deficit around February to April and it was a beautiful textbook cut, um, because I had spent over two and a half years in maintenance. So it, what that, what a textbook cut means, guys, I know a lot of people wonder that is it's like, you just have really great rate of progress. Like you don't have to spend a lot of time. You can achieve a goal. It was like a 10 pound weight loss goal in about six, seven weeks. Um, just nice, steady downward trends. Like that's to me what a textbook cut means. He's like, get in and I get out and I get what I want. Right. So at that time we had started doing, um, the art of gen pop transformations with Mark Carroll, Mark Carroll's programming. And Heidi and I had never hired like officially like a coach that has like programming and nutrition. And so what we had decided, we're like, you know what, we're in quarantine. Sounds like a great time to like try it with a coach, right? So we reached out to coach Glenn Carroll, who's Mark's brother. Um, Mark wasn't doing one-on-ones at the time. And most of his clientele are like bikini world bikini pros. Right. And we're like, we don't really know that, (laughs) but we, but we liked Glenn's science. We liked his brain. And we definitely wanted to be with an intelligent coach and somebody who, you know, could teach us a few things, right? Like coaches need coaches and it's fun to like learn from other people. So we signed up and that was August, August. And so of course in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, I've seen these transformations online. I know I can put the work in. I'm, I'm great in a deficit. He's going to give me programming. Maybe I'll finally get to see like this body that I want to see. Right. And it's not that I like hated my existing one, but I just want to see what's possible. You know, you see these, a lot of these online transformations of these girls and, you know, quads, hammies, like, I definitely wasn't anticipating abs, so maybe a flatter, a little bit of flatter stomach. I, maybe I'd like to actually see some delts or, you know, or have like a nice, you know, jacked back or whatever. So I did definitely went in with some expectations because I'm like, I'm hiring this coach. We're signing up for like a good, you know, 12 weeks. 
Um, and I knew that it wasn't going to happen 12 weeks, but I thought like maybe I would see some results because I just, I was just lifting a ton and I had just come out of a deficit. So I was already kind of low. And so we diverted, I dove right in. So he put us right into a deficit right away. Um, and so that was a little bit surprising to me because I was like, oh, I thought you had to like build first. Um, but that was just part of the program. He would give us programming and also um, put us in a deficit. So I was like, okay, well, I know how to do a deficit. I'm also, you know, with a coach now. So let's just see how this goes. So initially it started in the 14s, which my last two cuts were in the 15s and I had lost successfully in that. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. I wonder why I have to go so low. Um, but I'm like, all right, well, I'm, he's a professional. I'm going to just like press what he says. And so I started at the 14s. Things weren't progressing the way he thought, moved me to the 13s, 12s. And at the very end, I was sitting in 11 and 1195 with five days of lifting and an 18,000 step target. Now, if you know me, I did all of it because. Because that's, that's Natalie. Me. That's me. Yep. And that's also where my results are, right? Yeah. Like this is what it takes. I was willing to pay the piper, right? Mm-hmm. The cost of being lean, I'm here for it. Let's do it. And so I did it. And you got to see me during that part. And, and it wasn't horrible in the sense of like, I, I actually had some really great PRs in there. I was still seeing strength gains in the gym. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have high body fat. So that was helpful. Um, I think I got like a 275 pound deadlift. It was gr- like, I mean, I- Freaking awesome. It was awesome. Like I was, I was still enjoying a lot of PRs and strength PRs in, in a deficit but my body was not budging pound wise the way that like I would have expected it to at such low, low calories, Mm -hmm. you know, and initially, you know, we had just um, our relationship ended with one of our business partners and she transitioned into um, intuitive eating. So it wasn't really the time to talk about eating super low calories and not having any results from it. Right. Like I could, it was like definitely like the worst possible time to be like, I'm eating 11.95 and seeing nothing. And like, (laughs) here she is like dieting the worst. It's yeah. the most awful thing ever. Don't do it. You're it's ruining immoral. yourself. It's, it gives you body dysmorphia and disordered eating and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking like, like, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so long story short, I think I ended up getting um, maybe seven pounds out of 12 weeks. I extreme low calories and I was really, really defeated. Mm-hmm. I was gassed. I was exhausted. I couldn't do it anymore. I found myself doing a lot of disordered thoughts and thinking and actions that I would have never, ever done. And I've never done before in my life. I've always been overweight. So I've never been like, never, I didn't come from a history of eating disorders. I also didn't come from like, Oh, I used to be a size zero, like none of that. Right. And so all of a sudden I was in a really, really dark, dark place. And I remember sitting with Heidi and Jenna and just being like, I just feel really disordered. I feel I have really bad thoughts about myself. I feel really like all time low. Like, I don't know. I don't feel motivated to do things anymore. I don't feel inspired by like my goals. I like kind of low key hate my body because it didn't give me what it needed. And I did the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I found myself like sleeping just so I didn't have to eat like all these things that you hear and you read and you know that women who have disordered eating and thoughts do like, I find myself practicing them and, and for what, <laughs> right. <laughs> to get another pound or another pound, or another pound, and not even near my lowest from the first set of cutting numbers that I did, like I was still seven pounds away from that even. And so it just, it put me in a really, it was in a really important lesson to learn. um, Because I realized that he doesn't, it doesn't matter, he will take, he would have taken me lower, if I had had steam in the tank, he would have put me in in the low 11s, or even the 1000s. Because that's what it takes to get the results you want is, is kind of his, his mentality behind it, you know, so, and so mentally, 
because I think it's so interesting that this happened all at the same time, right? Of like the preaching of like diet culture is awful and it's terrible. And, you know, everything our businesses stand for are um, bad for women. And we're promoting things that are like terrible and giving people eating disorders is becoming very loud online. And it's the same time that you're you're starting to see some of those that like, yeah, this really can lead to these disordered thoughts and like this disordered body, body dysmorphia and, and things like that. So I'm curious for you guys, as you're, as you're navigating this together as a partnership, as a business, as a individual, like, you know, how did you, how did you make those two worlds fit together um, and, and walk yourself through that? What are your thoughts? I mean, you lived through it with me. I mean, it's, it's about, I think, I mean, the first word that comes to mind for me is, is respect. It's a respect for yourself, respect for your, for the process, respect for your mental health as well. Um, I, I cut, um, around this, around the same time as well. I wasn't actually planning to, I wanted to do a build and they were like, we think you should cut first. And I was like, that's offensive. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so I wasn't super, I wasn't super emotionally ready for it. Um, but I also have a little there's a part of my personality that if you just get me in the right moment, it's like, I like I'll jump first, right? <laughs> Bungee jumping with a big group of friends. One time they, they called me first and I'm like, well, I obviously can't get back down. I guess the age old answer to the question, like if all your friends jump off a bridge, would you? The answer yes. is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I jumped and I wasn't super ready. A lot of chaos going on in my personal life, like a lot. And it really reinforced on a whole new level how careful you have to be with dieting. Um, mm. It's not, like you said, it's not something that can be sustained for long periods of time. It's something that you, it's not something that can be added on top of your already existing stresses. It has to be something you very, you very carefully orchestrate that you, you're reducing the outside stressors, you're making time for self-care, to making time for rest and recovery. Um, and not, and paying attention to how you feel. I shelved it. I just completely ignored how I was, whatever, I can do it, whatever, I can do it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and I got results and I got out, but it felt terrible. I mean, it was not without a couple breakdowns, some, some of the worst probably in the last few years. But again, it's because I chose probably one of the worst windows of time for myself personally and prioritized weight loss over my own personal care. And whether you're successful or whether you're not, that compromises your relationship with yourself. Is any part of you scared to like put that out there because it's fodder for people who are like, see, that's diet culture? Honestly, no. Good. In fact, I think if anything, it has made, it has created more clarity for our cause than ever. Yes. And it also has once, like Heidi mentioned, like created more compassion for women than ever because we have both chased like we both chased leanness, you know, Heidi actually did. She got incredibly lean at that time. Mm -hmm. And then going into a surplus after, I mean, it definitely has had its own level of like mental hurdles as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm here sitting in maintenance, um, 10 pounds up from, from my, my deficit. So I really felt like last year was a waste, which was, which is even more defeating, mm -hmm. right? It hurts even more because of what it cost me. Mm -hmm. Um, and trying to heal my metabolism, right? Because I, I am, I, I'm literally broken. I mean, I was one point I had to get some blood tests done because I still sleep like crap. I think it was accumulation of a lot of stressors and then doing a lot of damage to my body, which I had never done before and I'm paying for it. And so I think that we 
get on a lot of levels, a lot of this, the same, I mean, I think there's definitely like a level of people like, like, Oh, you guys go to donuts all the time. And you guys just don't seem like you care and you guys eat whatever you want, whatever. It's like, yeah, but there's also like, that was also, we all, that was also pre-learned for us. Right. But last year was, it was pretty brutal. We mentally both took a hit and I think it only has made our passion and, and um, desire to help women even more because we've lived it. Like I, mm-hmm. I can read and coach women and say with, with surety, like you can't do, you, you don't want to go any lower. You cannot, like there, it will not give you anything. You know, like I, I've, I've been there. Like I cannot go, I could not go any lower than 1195. I remember having this conversation with him. I'm like, I am, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't, like I literally could not. Yeah. Well, and you know? similarly that the, that the symptoms of low calorie eating are real. And functional, I can feel a lot like anxiety and depression and um, can make those conditions worse. Um, it can mess up with your, mess up your sleep. It can mess up your libido, which can mess up your relationship, which can, I mean, there's so many, like all the defeating thoughts can spill into how you treat yourself and others. Like it, it's definitely a complicated thing. And like there are women in our program who feel, I feel like they're meeting themselves for the first time at maintenance calories because they take on all of those symptoms of low calorie eating as personality characteristics. Oh, I guess I'm just lazy. Oh, I guess I'm just unmotivated. Oh, I guess I just can't control. I have no willpower or whatever. And those are the, like we were talking earlier, those are the thoughts you're practicing about yourself. How's your relationship with yourself now? And so it's, it's like, like, I, I don't feel any shame in admitting these things because I don't, we've never been um, ones to pretend to be perfect on Instagram, like, or that we are without, um, you know, any body and image issues or anything like that. We're the, you know, macro misfits. <laughs> but um, so I, I feel like sharing it, it's like, um, I mean, it shows that uh, it definitely shows that we have empathy for it. And it also shows that the expectation that your negative thoughts or feelings about yourself or your body or in general, that those will ever go away. It's not about those going away. It's about being supportive of yourself through them because also we're all getting older. (laughs) Like there's a point where no matter how many PRs or how much you're, you know, whatever level of fitness or body fat percentage you get to, it's like we, there's still injury. There's still sickness. There's still aging. Like you, at some point your body, if it hasn't already will disappoint you. And can you be supportive of yourself through that? Not fix it, not pretend it, not blame it, not ignore it, but can you acknowledge it and support yourself through the negative emotions? And like the two like kind of big takeaways of the whole experience for me, it's like there is like the cost of being lean and there's also the cost of wanting to be lean and the cost of trying to be lean. They're not all the same thing, right? Nice. It's yeah. like, yeah, like you, Amber, prove that you can, you can do, you can, you can be lean. The cost of me wanting to be lean cost me a lot and I didn't get to be. And I think a lot of women don't realize that too. It's like they, they want, like, let's just, you know, not everybody cares. Let's just say everybody cares about a six pack. Let's just make that blanket statement. Some of you will have no problems achieving it. And some of you will never, ever get to see it. No matter how low you eat, yep. how often you diet, how yep. hard you yep. work. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that is, that is just the, that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. don't all get to have the same thing. Like some of us are going to have to work harder than others to have certain things. You get to decide if that's worth it to you. Yep. And that cost wasn't worth it to me. And I paid a really hefty emotional price for it. And and what I also realized, and this is kind of comes full circle to like, you know, we're back in CrossFit and things like that, is that only caring about what my body looked like is not healthy for me. I shelved a lot of performance goals. I mean, 
a little bit forced because we were in a pandemic, right? Like, I mean, I, there, we weren't crossfitting. It was harder to like, you know, there wasn't any coaches or anything like that. I mean, you could, I could have probably tried to figure out on my own, but it was like, I had a whole list of stuff that I wanted from CrossFit that I never had achieved or accomplished, but I was like, Oh, you know, I want to, I want some aesthetics now. So I'm going to bodybuild and, you know, we hired this coach and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we're just coming off of another coaching thing. And it's like, I can't spend all this time just working on what I look like. It's not healthy for me. It might be healthy for somebody, but it's not for me. Right. It's like, I need to care more about what my body does than what it looks like. And that's why CrossFit has always been so good for me. It's because it didn't really matter how much Nat weighed or how lean she was. It's like, can that chick like crush a whiteboard? Can she assault assault bike her face off? Can she string X amount of things together? Can she lift this? Like that, that was healthy for me. Like those goals are healthy for me. Kind of like what you're talking about, like performance goals are healthy for you. Like you don't really have like a specific aesthetic goal you're chasing right now. And that is healthy. But when you spend more time on what you look like than what you can do, it's never enough and it's never fast enough. And it requires even more self-love and compassion to, to fit through that than it does to just get happy and stoked on who you are and what you can do. Right. Yeah. So good. So off of that, of like talking about this balance, somebody asked, how do you incorporate daily wads into your lifting? So, um, I want you to share what that's looked like and how that's transitioned. And I think it piggybacks off of some of the things that you were just saying. Well, it's kind of to be determined, to be honest, like we were, we were, we've definitely felt some dwindling motivation over the last few months. Um, I, I mean, I, it's so, it's so interesting as you guys are talking about this, I'm sitting here thinking it's so interesting how we just want the negative emotion to be gone. But like the other half of the negative emotion, negative emotion, like when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. And the other half of like a, a hard challenge is the inspiration and chasing it. Right. And it's like initially going to bodybuilding was great because we were so excited about building up our, our specific lifts. And like, that was going, that was going great until we weren't getting the pings of the plate. anymore. That's a real real thing too. Totally. A hundred percent. Especially the heavier it gets, the less pings there are, believe it or not. Right. Yes. Getting an extra pound on that lift is like, yes. (laughs) And it's like, it's similar. So for me, like, like chain, it's not that I, it's not that I, uh, have, have not liked bodybuilding. I don't, it's just that I need a change. I just need, I need some, I need it's it watching the Western conference last weekend was super inspiring. It just lit. I just, I'm a person who just loves to like call it my ADD or whatever. I'm like, what's that shiny thing? Let's chase that. So let's go, let's go do that for a while. Um, because it is, it is, it's super, it's, you got to chase your passion. There has to be an element of like, um, like that's so freaking badass. I want that. I'm going to go after it. And I, so it's funny as you were saying that, like I, the pings of the plates, um, that hits me because to me, that's, that's what like, that's the ping for me. It's not the stepping on the scale. That's the ping. It's definitely the, like the plates or the reps or the like hitting a muscle up for the first time for me, that's the ping. And so I told, I was telling Heidi, um, one of the reasons that I switched from powerlifting into CrossFit was because I got to the point and you get to this point as an advanced lifter. Like if you haven't made it there yet and you lift for long enough, you're going to make it to this point where you have to work so hard to put any more like five pounds on the bar is like a year's worth of training. 
right? And when you get to those like heavy lifters, like it takes a lot of efforts, a higher effort to get much less return. And so like the last five pounds. And so for me, it was like really exciting as I could see those lifts progressing and I could feel the rewards and it was like the weight was going up. And then I, I peaked with my, it was specifically my squat, but I peaked with my squat at a competition. And then we did a deload and I like reset and I went back up and I could, I like couldn't hit that number again. And then I reset and like went back up and I got even lower. It was like, I was getting weaker and the pings were like gone for me. It was like, it's not worth me to put in all of this effort to get five more pounds on my squat. That doesn't feel fun in the slightest. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm ready to go try something new. So it's, it's interesting that you said that I had never put it in that perspective, but for me, the pings were, and maybe in just like the same disordered like way that some women are with the scale is like my pings are with like performance goals and how much can I do? But what's so exciting about, I think, performance goals though, and also like with the sport of CrossFit is that you're never going to be good at everything. Totally. Yeah. And I, maybe that's why I like it. Maybe it's yeah, yeah, I will exactly. never. That's what I mean. <laughs> There's always growth. What, what I like about like from the first time you kind of walked in to even now, Amber, is that you're always hungry because it changes so much and you yeah. love variety, right? Yeah, you totally. You love variety. It excites you. But it's like, I know that there's workouts that even now you're still like, oh, yeah. this does not look fun at all. But you're <laughs> stoked to do it because it's a challenge, right? Yeah. And it's like, even something, and I think that's why I also love so much about CrossFit. It's like, they've made it just hard enough that you'll never be good you'll at it. You'll never ever. get great yeah. at it. <laughs> even if you're the fittest woman or the ma- fittest man in the world. Like, you're anatomically, still, yeah. there's no way you there's can be no good at There's no way you're good at everything. And so right. there's always a horizon to keep chasing and always something to get better at, right? And yeah. you think, or, or your own time to improve on, right? Yeah. It's like, you will always be able to have a faster cram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like whether or not you're chasing it actively, it's like, that is what's so cool about it. It's like, it gives you, you can always have pings in CrossFit, which I think. It's probably it, why I like it. Yeah. Because like, it's constantly varied, right? <laughs> but also enough that like, it's challenging you and it's exciting. And there's enough very like variation in it. that it's not just like, I mean, and we love Oli for sure. And you love powerlifting, but there is a point where you're like, okay, so I'm doing these couple movements. But what else? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like the difference between, well, one of the differences between my husband and I, so my husband's a surgeon. And so he is all about precision and perfection and technique. And so he like loves Olympic lifting. He loves powerlifting because you can break those lifts down into like 120 different positions. And like, it's all about perfection and precision. And to me, I'm like, <laughs> I get bored. I don't want to like sit there and like break down from the like knee to the hip and like what that actually looks like. I want to do it like a bajillion times. <laughs> and so he doesn't really quite understand when I'm like, this is so fun when we like do all of these things. He's like, no, I just wanted to slow the movement down and make sure that I was hitting the right hip crease pocket. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're so different. <laughs> well, and you're, and you're like, sweetheart, you could do that in like the straight portion. But when we're doing this partner wad, you're like my- crap out of this bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Let's do some un- unadulterated thoughts. That's what I think unfiltered is maybe a better word. This person used the unadulterated. That's a good word too. Unadulterated thoughts. I'm going to, we're going to hit quick. Okay. So first things that come to mind, unadulterated thoughts, cardio bunnies. Oh, sweetheart. I know. I mean, we, I, I was a believer that that was the way to be thin, right? You cardio your face off. I mean, it's like the elliptical or the treadmill or running, right? It was like runners are thin. That's how you become thin. Cardio 
cardio, cardio means heart. What's more important than the heart, right? And yeah. calories burned, right? And also there's a huge sweat factor. And who doesn't like to be a bunny? <laughs> okay. Cardio bunny. Uh, yeah, that covers it. Okay. Pilates junkies. Um, go for it. I mean, it's like, it's what's, what's your goal, right? Do you remember I mean, that reel that we did that yeah. I got hate mail about? Yes, that one. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least Pilates is using body weight. Yeah. And the reformer, and the reformer is brutal. Yeah. yeah. It's freaking hard. And your core phenomenal. Yeah. But it's like, if you're getting that, it's kind of like, if you're getting that strong, like just put a barbell in those hands. Well, and this is the thing about Pilates too. It's like, I think Pilates like is, is it actually has incredible. just like, I feel like yoga, yoga fully yeah. has a purpose. So does Pilates. Mm-hmm. I actually have no beef with Pilates. The bummer is you think that the burn means muscle growth, which is not what that means. So yeah. I think that's the only thing about Pilates. It's like, it burns us. Yes. But that doesn't mean it's muscles, muscle growth. Right. Yeah. So it's like, just, I think with all of anything, it's like, where, what's the reason you're doing this for? And yeah. is it going to give you what you want? Yeah. If you're just doing it because you like it, it's like spin. Great. Like, like spin class, right? Totally. Spin class has its place. It's freaking fun, mm-hmm. but it's just cardio. Totally. <laughs> like there was this little group they met outside of my daughter's school every morning through the winter and they would all take their shoes off on the freezing cold grass and do like, and she'd count out like knee, like mountain climbers and um, uh, squat jumps and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I wonder, like we as women can be so idiotic with like how we assign, randomly assign harder things to the things that are already hard. Cause we're like, oh, it's more effective this way. Yes. Perfect. Like if I get up at an ungodly hour and do something under horrible physical conditions, somehow this is going to make me get to my goal faster. Yeah, anyway. so true. All right. I think right. that's also the like no pain, no gain mentality, right? Yes. Did you tell us to go fast, Amber? Sorry. <laughs> I can't do that. Great. Talk fast. <laughs> uh, intermittent fasting. It's just a strategy. There's nothing magic about it. Like if you if you like it, great, but there's nothing but don't do it because you think it's gonna yield better results. Yes. Amen. Uh faster way to fat loss. Yes, let's make the most painfully unnecessary and take every single thing about every single diet and put it into one for better results. Yeah. Do you really, do you, how much do you love math? Yeah. How much do you <laughs> are you, love? are you like TJ? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, well, this is the thing. It's not a faster way. It, it, it's an overcomplicated way to fat yeah. loss. But I think that there's so many things about it that make women believe more lies about the, about, about weight loss then it does help them. Like it's like, it makes them believe that carb cycling is important and intermittent fasting is important. And like all these different things, it's like, no, actually they're all strategies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that just bugs about like, it's such a pet peeve of mine when people capitalize on convenient assumptions or, or like, yeah. or there's a correlation instead of causation. Like there's, I was at a gym in Utah and there was a scale a body weight scale outside of the cardio room. What possible reasoning could there be for there to be a scale there? There is no, under no conditions, would that ever be your accurate weight? Ever, ever. Especially it's like in the public, like you're stepping on there with your shoes and everything. (laughs) But because it's there and it's a gym, everyone's going to think, oh, well, obviously it's here for a reason. Let me weigh myself. Mm -hmm. Or cardio room, weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, anyway. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve when it comes to clients. Non-coachability. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. We're like oh, on the same wavelength. I think, I think that is what it is. It's like, yeah, the three of us, we love our job. But if yeah. you're, if you tell us a thousand reasons you can't and a thousand reasons why you won't 
change, then yeah. I mean, what do you, uh, well, it's like your question about, um, tracking. It's like, hi, knock, knock, knock. Can I join your problem for your program so you can help me with my stupid, horrible, dumb body? Like, well, we're not going to start with your body. We're going to yeah, start with your mind. Start, yeah. <laughs> once you can say, once it, you know, the feelings come first in the action, right? Well, and it's like, I don't have to have people. It's like when like the people that come are like, I just need to lose weight. That's all I need from you. Yeah. I don't need any help with mindset. Yeah. Oh, well, you just demonstrated that you do. <laughs> yeah. But the, the second someone says that they don't need it, we're all, the three of us are like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, uh, other pet peeves when it comes to Instagram. Um, <laughs> the sound uh, that sigh, that I big know. sigh. <sighs> um, all the judgments, just like so many judgments. Yeah, you know, like a bit. I think one that really gets under my skin is people that don't have kids tell you how to feed your kids. Mm. Yes. You know, like oh, you're giving them, you know, junk. Yeah, don't give. Or like um, another one I hate is the um, don't. It's not an excuse to eat like an asshole. Yeah, I hate that one. I hate that one so much. I didn't know that, like, if food is neutral, how does eating any amount of food or any variation of food make you an asshole? Make you anything. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> no. So that's that kind of stuff's just not helpful, you know? Uh, diet culture. <laughs> Made up. <laughs> oh. We have a, we have like a, um, uh, X-Files level, uh, conspiracy theory that the diet industry actually made up diet culture. (laughs) Um, it's like, it's define your terms, you know, it's just like every, that means something different to everyone. Same thing with the word healthy, same thing with the word maintenance. It's like, what, what stay calm, like, you know, back to that question, like stay calm and maintenance. Well, what does maintenance mean? What does calm mean? Yeah. Suddenly we're staring into the vortex. <laughs> I mean, diet culture, it's like, it mean, it's defined. I mean, I think the three of us would probably have similar ones only because we've talked about it, but there are a lot of people who define it in completely different ways. I'm like, that's not even what that would really be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and there's a lot of people that would condemn diet culture at the same time that they have very diet, diet culture-y thoughts, you know, it's just, um, but di- there's no big, bad diet culture waiting underneath your bed. There's just stressful thoughts and reality that the, the reality that those thoughts create and a bunch of failed attempts at diets that you're trying to do to make yourself feel better by yourself. Mm-hmm. What it comes down to. So mm-hmm. good. All right. Last question. What is the diet slash workout slash macro slash lifting slash CrossFit, like whatever myth that you just wish would die? Only one, only one. If you had to just like wipe one away, carbs are bad. Oh, that's a good one. I just them like how they're not like they're not bad. First of all, they're delicious. <laughs> they are delicious. <laughs> and I mean, how you hate on carbs? Like, and the, the whole like fruit makes you fat. Like that, it ties in with the carb thing. It's like no one ever like was like, oh gosh, these apples. You know, I, uh, Beth Brock of Fitness posted some girl commented. She said, I spent a whole summer eating blueberries and watermelon and gained weight. And she's like, you ate only blueberries and watermelon the whole summer. You didn't eat anything else. Like good and good goodness grief, girl. <laughs> well, fiber was through the roof, and you actually seriously weight at all. Seriously, so you ate nothing else. Well, and I feel like, I feel like that segues perfectly into what I was going to say, which is like you know, kind of what we hinted at earlier. Like I can't be happy until I lose weight. 
like, okay, so you're telling me that you've been miserable every single second that you've been at this weight. It's like, you're stop identifying with your most nightmarish thoughts about yourself and, and realize you have the power to soothe yourself and redirect and focus on what you want to create for yourself in your life. I love when Heidi says like, did you laugh at a meme today? Then you just proven to yourself that you could be happy. It's like, (laughs) you can make yourself, you know, it's not, it's not realistic to be happy all the time. Right. So remind yourself of that. Also, when you think, Oh, I need to do this, please wait and then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. What's yours, Amber? Oh, I think it would be something similar to like, if I get X, then I will be confident. I think confidence specifically is the thing that I, I hear the most is like, if I get a six pack, then I'll be confident. Or if I lose 10 pounds, then I can wear the swimsuit or whatever. Is that like link to confidence that it's, that it's some sort of external thing that you have to achieve rather than an internal thing that you have to create. So I think that would be, that would be mine. Totally. Right. So we can like fix the things and then we think that those negative thoughts will go away. Yeah. And, and how do we know that that's not the case? Um, I've worked with thousands of women and I can tell you that some of the women who are the leanest are some of the most insecure and they're most miserable and they're not happy and they're insecure and they pick apart their body. And so that tells you that there's, it's not a causation. It is not like, if that was the case, then everybody who was like walking on stage on the fitness competitions would like be super confident. And let me tell you what, they are not. And some of the most confident women I know are not bodies that you would look at and be like, I want her body. So we know that confidence is not an out, it's not an external job. It's an, it's an internal job. Well, and isn't it funny that the confidence really comes from achieving something hard. It actually really has nothing to do with the end result. It comes through the process. And I think that links back to like, it's like the process. It's like, yes. And I'm I'm big on setting goals. I think we should set goals. I think they set the vision. I think they tell you where you're going, but it's when you, it's when you create that attachment to the goal of like, I have to achieve it so that I'm enough, I'm confident or whatever. That's when we have the problem. And it's like, when you can really focus on the process of getting there and that's supporting yourself all along the way, knowing like the worst thing that can happen is a negative emotion. And if you will support yourself through that, you're unstoppable. And maybe that's really the one that we want to debunk at the end of the day is that losing weight does not make you happier. Mm. You're as happy now as you will be on the other side of your weight loss goal. So hurry up and go get happy. (laughs) Yes. Hurry up and go get happy. I love it. Well, I mean, as always, like we could sit here and chat for, for hours, if someone's like, heck yes, I want to be a BFFs with them as well. Where do they find you? Where's the best place to connect with you guys? Uh, on Instagram, we're at Buddier Macros. And we gen- we have like a hidden little treasure on, on TikTok because we love being there too. But they're definitely not our people. They don't like us. Oh, stop it. <laughs> we're at What's Up Butters. We haven't really there. announced ourselves. There. Yeah, at What's Up Butters. And also on Twitter, at What's Up Butters. But, or you can just come to CrossFit. Yeah. And oh my gosh. If anybody know. ever comes into Orange County and like wants to come hang out at CrossFit downtown Santa Ana. Please. We'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there at 5.30 and they'll be there at 6.30. <laughs> Unless for a custody arrangement, she'll be with us at 6.30. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, let us know and we'll send you the court, the court ordering. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Natalie and Heidi, you guys are the best. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Well, I, for one, really enjoyed that episode. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to us. It sure is fun just to have friends. And it's fun to have friends who come on the podcast who we can talk about 
all this stuff together. And I know some of you guys have mentioned wishing that you could come work out with us or that you guys could come be friends with us. And we wish that too. So really, if you're ever in the Orange County area and you want to drop by and CrossFit with us, we would absolutely love it. Last thing before I sign off, if you have not yet left a rating and review on iTunes, please, please, will you take five minutes it's not even five minutes. It's like two minutes and go leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps the show to be able to be seen. It helps uh, the podcast app to push it out to more people. And uh, I'm just really grateful for those of you who have taken the time to leave a rating and review. And if you're liking the podcast, take a couple minutes and um, support the podcast. It's a really free, easy, cheap way that you can support what I'm doing here. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.